Did you know you can get email alerts about every new episode of this podcast? Sign up for free. Just click the link in the show description. We actually coined the term, the subscription economy, and it came from our experience in the software sector. What we're seeing now is that trend happening to everything all across all sectors of our lives and is bringing about this whole concept of an end of ownership where people are realizing you don't really need to own things anymore, not in today's connected digital world. This is Kotecki on Tech. I am James Kotecki talking today with Teen Zuo, the CEO of Zuora. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, James. Great to be on the show. So, Teen, your company makes software that enables subscription billing services. And we subscribe to a lot of things nowadays that we used to buy and own, things like software, movies, music. Now there's clothes and food. How do we get a sense of the full scope of the things we can subscribe to today? Thanks, James. And, and I think you're absolutely right. We are moving towards what we call the subscription economy. And more and more, we're finding ourselves having to buy less and less stuff, right? If we can simply subscribe to something to get get us from point A to point B, right? the need to own a car actually lessens. And you've seen the same thing happen with software. You've seen the same thing with happening with media. You've seen, being, seen the same thing happen with, with, with music and video streaming. But we called this about 10 years ago. We actually coined the term, the subscription economy. And it came from our, ex, our, our experience in the software sector. What we're seeing now is that trend happening to everything. And when we say everything, we really do mean everything. Right. Like when, when you look at physical products and cars is, is is an early sign of it. But if you if you buy an appliance right from Whirlpool today, chances are it's connected to, to the Internet. Right. Why shouldn't the washing machine simply know when you need detergent and, 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 and simply order it for you? And why shouldn't you be just be able to pay per load based on how much you actually use the thing versus forcing you to buy, you know, to pay 700 bucks, a thousand, twelve hundred dollars for a machine. All right. That you're not quite sure what you're going to get the value of. And so, so this is happening all across all sectors of our lives and is bringing about this whole concept of an end of ownership where people are realizing you don't really need to own things anymore, not in, the, not in today's connected digital world. So how far can this go and how much is the phrase end of ownership uh, a clever hyperbole and how much do you actually take that seriously? Is the logical endpoint that we are literally subscribing to or renting everything in our lives? What's the endpoint here? Yeah, I don't want you to think about it as renting, right? Renting means that, that the product didn't change. It's the same product. You are simply, you know, paying over time for the same exact experience. And that's not what people are looking for, right? People are looking for saying, look, I actually have something that I need in my life. The experience of using Uber is a completely different experience than, you know, signing a lease to a car, right? And, and when you look at what's happening with technology today, there's no reason that everything can't go in that direction. I love this uh, concept. I love that it, it's enabling me to have access to more and more things in my life. So I come at this from a biased perspective. But I'm trying to figure out, is there some kind of dark side to this? If every big business in the world wants me to move to this model, which it seems increasingly they do, then that somehow must be kind of bad for consumers or I'm giving up something almost unknowingly and I'm not quite sure what it is. We don't think so. I mean, we, we, we think that, yes, you, know, you, you grow up in a world where, where, where you have to own it. And you say, okay, gosh, if I don't own it anymore, do I lose something? Right? But I look at you know, the CD collection I have from the 80s and 90s, 
and, uh, and, 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 you know, growing up in my generation, do I cling to it? Is it in some closet somewhere? Sure. Do I actually go back to it and use it? No, I'll probably never use it again. Right. Why should I when I have, when I have access to, 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 to all the songs, right? Not just in Pandora, but also in Spotify and Apple music. Um, you know, there's still multiple companies, right? It's still a competitive environment. If you don't like HBO, you can certainly switch to Netflix and you can switch to Hulu. If you don't like Uber, you can switch to Lyft. Right. As long as there's a there's a competitive environment and, and, and obviously regulations have a, a role in maintaining that, I think, you know, consumers have choice. And as long as consumers have choices, it's going to be OK. Maybe the last things that we own then are, you know, a few priceless family heirlooms and my wedding ring and things like that. But also yeah. my data, I suppose. Right. Like I'm I own myself. I own my preferences. I own the access rights that I have purchased through Spotify or on Netflix and everything else like that. Um, and I guess that means that data and the way that we protect data and the way that we think about the value of our data changes as we move into this economy, because that becomes the most precious thing that we all still own. That's absolutely true. Data is really important. And you know, a lot of the examples we talk about on the show are going to be consumer examples because it's easier for all of us to relate to these services. We actually have a lot of customers that are, you know, so-called business to business. They sell to other companies, right? Software as a service is a great example. Salesforce.com doesn't sell to individuals. They sell mostly to companies. And when when you see that type of relationship, typically the customer, right? The the, the customer that happens to be a company, they actually own their data. And so our customers, as an example, we're, we're a software as a service company ourselves. It's clear. They own the data. When they leave the service, they get to take their data with them. And we're simply housing it on a temporary basis, right, because they're using our, 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 our service. I think on the consumer side, we need the same thing. Now, obviously, that relationship is different. It's a big company versus a small person. But, but this is why we have government regulations, right? And so, so we do support and believe that, that there should continue to be government regulations and laws and rules uh, that, that protect the individual from, from these larger companies. If that happens, the entire system uh, benefits, right? And, and the companies will benefit as well. So we're talking about laws and regulations, and that seems absolutely essential to consider here, because it seems like in some ways we're moving into this new economy, but with some of the laws and rules that were built for the old one. For example, when you talk about car sharing services, there's obviously a lot in the news these days about car sharing service drivers for places like Uber and Lyft wanting to be treated like employees, because that would mean that they get benefits, but the companies themselves have a strong incentive to classify them as contractors so that they don't have to pay them those benefits. What kind of other societal rules and kind of frictions are going to be coming to the fore here as we move into this new economy? And what does the government need to do to kind of reshift things for the subscription economy and where it's going? Well, we think this does imply uh, quite a lot of changes in, in, in how the government looks at the economy and sets up rules and even things like simple things like GDP. If I'm Purchasing a car, right? that, that's a ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar purchase that gets included in the GDP. But if I decide to no longer own cars, and, and car sales are declining around the world, by the way, right? Car sales are even declining in China and India, right? Two markets where they thought that car sales would be up and to the right for for a long, long time. In 2018, car sales actually dropped in those two countries. Um, but miles driven is going through the roof, and so so. People are using more and more cars, but they're shifting their consumption habits to things that they don't have to own. Instead of paying that ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars up front and getting it counted, you know, I'm spending 
10, $15 a ride. Right. right. And, uh, and how do you think about that and how do you measure it is, is, is really, really important. And then how do you create the right incentives for, for, to make this all work? We can all stay on whatever side we pick in that argument of, of should Uber drivers be classified as contractors and employers. But I think from an overall perspective, the best thing to do is to clear that up. Once we have simple rules, then companies know what to follow, right? The economic aspects of it simply simply flow from that. But it's the uncertainty that really causes the system not to be able to progress as fast as it can. Do you have a sense that the government itself and the way that it does business is out of step or out of date with the way that the new economy is going to be structured? Do we need to have some more shifts in the way that governments themselves operate? Because we focus on the subscription economy, we're always on the lookout for examples of governments that are embracing this whole subscription economy theme. And we talk a lot about the show on the show about you know this idea of owning things and not owning things. But the key thing is not whether you own or not own. The key thing to this whole thing is that there's a relationship. There's a relationship between the service provider and the customer, the consumer of the service. And that relationship keeps the service provider honest because they're out to earn your business uh, every step of the way. And that's why you know, these services that we use, that we love, you can sense it. You can sense that, that Netflix cares about what shows you watch because the better the service is, right, the more you're going to use it and, and the better off they are. That aspect of the relationship, we would love to see it be brought into government. Right? Government is, in some senses, the ultimate service provider. Uh, we all subscribe to the government in the form of our tax dollars. And what are the services that we should be able to get from that, right? Whether it's, 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 it's protection, whether it's, it's getting permits. Uh, so in, down in uh, Australia, in New South Wales, they are starting to reinvent government and saying, here's your interface to the government. That interface can work whether you're physically in our, in, in our service centers, when you're, you're, you're on the phone with our, 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 our government employees, whether you're on an app or a website, right? And where you used to have to go to six or seven different agencies to do something simple like phishing. You can now go to one place, right, and interact with, with, with the entirety of the government, right? I think this is a vision. I think it has to, has to, has to come into reality. But, but we would love to see government transform to, to really put the citizen at the center of everything that they, they do, just like these vendors are putting the customer at the center of everything they do. We're talking about these shifts at the macro and the government level. How have you seen the shift at the individual level. It feels like there might be some kind of psychological shift that happens when people go from the idea of needing to own to not needing to own everything. And th that might change the way they think of themselves as consumers and might even change the way they think of themselves as workers in the economy. Are you seeing that? Absolutely. I mean, things are simply becoming more flexible, right? If I, if I buy a car, I'm stuck with that car for four years at least, right, if it's a four-year lease. Um, but if I can, you know, subscribe to something and, 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 and interact with it and change that interaction per interaction, then, then it's just a much more flexible service. So people are realizing that, look, you, you know, maybe I shouldn't buy a home. If there's a service that I can subscribe to that gives me the same experience of home, no matter what city I'm in, right, with, with my style, with my things, with my music, right, then, then, then that gives me a lot more mobility, agility, flexibility, uh, than, than, than ever. And I want to take advantage of it. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing a much more mobile workforce. You're seeing people um, um, try different things out, right? We've all had that experience the first time we, spot, we signed up for Spotify or Apple Music, where we used to kind of listen to our own collection all the time. 
and now you're exploring all these these pathways and these these you know these new musics that 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 you might not ever have 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 opted to do. And so we think the world's a much more exciting place when all these artificial boundaries that have been set by 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 the physical world start to disappear. And uh, is there going to be a transformation? We absolutely believe so. And you can sort of see it. You can sort of see it in, in, in the younger generation that grew up without having to, to, to actually own anything. So you were the 11th employee at Salesforce. Is that right? That's right. Employee yeah. number 11. Um, so obviously you know, that's a massive world dominating company. What's a lesson that you took from that experience when you started in, in running this company? Well, our experience at Salesforce was what inspired us to, to, to start this company. And, you know, in the early days of the Internet in 1999, now our whole focus was how does the Internet change enterprise software? And people think it's a foregone conclusion today, but just remember, 99, you know, hotels did not have Wi-Fi. Most people did not have high-speed bandwidth in their house. And most of the Internet was accessed through, you know, dial-up modems. Right. I mean, that's what the world was like when we started Salesforce.com. And, and um, um, but our obsession was what happens to software with all these new technologies? And our conclusion was that we needed to be a service provider. Right. That the old fundamental model of software shipping CDs and asking companies to to maintain this stuff just didn't make any sense. We could do it much, much better as a centralized service and just take away all these burdens and, and let them focus on what they really wanted, which is, to, which is just to do some work. And so fast forward to 2008. 2007, 2008, and, and our question was, okay, this, this whole experience of software, and we could see that ultimately it was, you know, subscriptions were going to take over software, right? And, and it's a trend that continues to happen today. But it, was it limited to software or could it, it, could it apply to anything? And so we saw early signs. We saw early signs of Uber in a service called Zipcar, where lots of people in, in places like New York City or campuses or San Francisco said, you know, I don't need to buy a car. If I need a car, I'll simply walk down the street, find yeah. a zip car, yeah, drive it that. around yeah. and just pay by the hour. Yeah, yeah. And so, so we could see that those early days. It says, you know, this trend is going to happen. Technology is going to mean that it's better for companies to provide services at a higher value, right, than, than actually getting consumers to buy the product. And, and that's what that's what inspired us to, 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 to start Zora, to really serve these, these, these new companies and these new business models, if you will. Tinzuo is the CEO of Zora. Thanks for joining me on Kotechi on Tech. Absolutely. Thanks, James. Fun to be on.